Secondly, that means that if you participate on the mic, remember that the rest of the church will hear it through a podcast. And so um, please don't let that suppress your participation, but just be aware of that. And uh, we want to learn together and think together and do that. So um, this is session one of eight sessions that the board and I have prepared for this uh, this series on, that we've entitled The Gospel and Politics. And so the first um, one tonight is the purpose. What are we doing this for? Why are we trying to actually do this? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I will start with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to um, learn from one another and from your word. We pray that we would be faithful to your call in our, in our world that you, we would do what you want us to do and that we would uh, see the world the way you do it, the way that you see it, and that we would be um, submissive to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so first of all, the agenda for tonight is I want to at least assert that government matters to God. So this is not just some random thing. It matters to God. And then I'm going to talk about the purpose of this study that we're doing, and then the design of this study, how we're going to go there. So it's basically an outline of the eight weeks. And then an introductory discussion questions and some time of prayer asking for God's blessing. So that's my agenda for tonight. Okay, so that's what we're going to try to accomplish in the next half hour or so. So the first thing then is that government matters to God. And so um, rather than comment on that a lot, I just thought I would read two of the primary passages from the New Testament that refer to government. This is from Romans 13. Paul writes, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And then from 1 Peter, Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love your fellow believers Fear God and honor the emperor. So those are passages that come from um, two apostles, Peter and Paul. 
we submit ourselves to the apostolic teaching, right? And they uh, were written in a time politically in the Roman Empire that is not at all like our, our experience here in the United States today, right? Their emperor had uh, total authority. There was not a democracy. There's not, uh, there was rampant slavery. And so the, the world was not as nice as ours is. And uh, so those words carry even more uh, significance when you think about the idea of honoring someone who's so, so um, um, unpleasant. <laughs> it may be a way to say it. Okay? All right. So then the next part of our night tonight is to try to, to just explain to you why are we doing this? Why are we spending these eight weeks on this topic? Okay? So the first thing is we are not here to try to pursue nor persuade uniformity. So this is not to rally us all together to go out and agree and march and do the same thing in the, in the voting booth. That's not what this is about. This is not a place to, this is, the purpose of this class is not to build a case from the Bible or from reason, or from experience, that you should vote X, or you should vote Y, or that the true believer will always vote X, or that the mature believer will always vote Y, or that the loving person, no, this is, that is not what this is about. This is not to persuade you of content decisions, okay? So if that's what you think this is, tuck your little banners in, in, mega horns in your pocket and, and let that go, right? We're not trying to persuade everybody of which way to vote on anything. But it is a place to establish, our purpose of this study is to establish a safe place for us to express deep feelings. So I know that many of us care a lot about political issues and we're really frustrated or anxious or urgent about certain political topics and and because as a church we try not to be political there isn't really a safe place at church to ever talk about those things like for you it might be really clear that, that um, to abort a baby is murder and it's against God's law and therefore we should, and then you finish out that sentence with a series of policy, candidate, party decisions to try to reach that place where we can do something about the rampant, murder of babies. Okay, we all agree that the murder of babies is horrible sin. But the parts we might not agree on is what to do about it or how to do about it. But the problem is, is that because we're so afraid of sharing political perspectives at church, we can't even talk about this maybe. And so I want to break the rules. I want, to, I want you to feel free to passionately defend your case or explain your reasoning, even if it includes why and how you would get there. That's fine. We're all going to listen without judgment of one another. But the point is, is I want you to feel safe to express those strong feelings. It's important for us to be honest and hear each other even if we would disagree about a policy decision or a, a priority or a, you know, a different way to do it, or if we come to a different end conclusion, right? Because we start at the same place, for example, that human life is sacred unto God, right? Only God has the right to take a life. We start there. That's biblical. I'm not, you know, we're not debating that. We can agree on that. But when we start there, where we go into what we do on Tuesday in the voting booth there are multiple layers of decisions, and, and for some of us, it might seem super clear exactly how that should work out. And you might be right. 
For others of us, it's maybe not so clear how that all works out. And they might be right too, maybe. So we start with, we know what the Bible says, but we don't know always um, what to do in the end. So this part of this study is to give us place to express those thoughts. Okay, do you understand? Any questions about that? So again, the goal is not to persuade everybody to do the same vote at the end, but to at least give us a safe place to talk about how important it is to us. Right? Are you okay with me so far? Right, the next part of the reason we're doing this is we want to pursue unity based on the gospel. So again, not uniformity, but unity. What is one of the most amazing things about the gospel is that because of what Jesus has done, he has taken rich and poor, black and white, left and right, male and female, and brought us into a single family with one Holy Spirit. And we can be unified in love even if we are not uniform in our decisions and behaviors. In other words, um, to use a silly example, we can all totally love Jesus and love each other even though we wear different color shirts, right? So right now I got a green one on and Doug's got an orange one on and that we don't have to have a uniform to be unified. You follow what I'm trying to say? The unity transcends the outward uh, differences. It's diversity in unity. It's not conformity in unity. It's diversity. And so there are going to be many diversity. In the Bible, I'm not just making this up because I hope it works with politics. This is part of what the Bible teaches, right? That Jew and Gentile, which were as different as you could get from a cultural ethical, dietary, life practice perspective were brought into the same body of Christ and brought into the same church. And, and Paul even says that the two were made one. And so there was a unity in the way that they were saved and, and respected and, and came to Jesus, even though there was still quite a bit of diversity in their individual practice. Some of them still practice kosher and other and, the, and the, probably the... Um, Gentile believers did not. Some of them still observed Sabbath and the others did not. And so they were told in the Bible to love each other anyway and to be unified even though they had diversity in their outward cultural expressions. And so that's just one of the many ways. Any questions about that? Does that make sense so far? So the purpose of this study is, I hope you're catching, it's not to make us all agree is to make us all love one another, even if we disagree, as long as we can agree on the core of the gospel. And, the, and the, again, the clarity of the Bible. I, nobody's debating whether abortion is okay. We're, we're going to go straight. We can go from the Bible and draw a strong conclusion, right, that abortion is always wrong. Other sins, the same way, right? Sexual... Uh, orientation. The Bible is very clear. Marriage is man and woman only. Sex is only in the covenant of marriage. Anything outside of that is outside of God's will. So that's just straight up, clear as can be. So we're not debating about that. We're talking about how do we live in our world. Okay, and then fifth or fourthly, the last part of our stated purpose is I want us to, in the end, be amazed at Jesus and the power of the gospel. I'm hoping that some of you will say at the end of this something like this. At first, I was pretty nervous. But after going through this, I realize that I really can love my brother and sister who thinks quite a bit differently than me about political things. And I am amazed that Jesus has brought us together, and I'm so grateful. That's what I would hope you would say, that somehow out of this, this study that we would come to the discoveries, man, Jesus is awesome. He can take a Jew like Paul 
and put him in a church with a Gentile like Silas. And they can be best buddies. Is Silas a Gentile? I thought he was. There are others if I can, I'm sure we could come up with. But you, you catch my illustration. All right? So that's the purpose of this study. That's what we're trying to do. We want Jesus to shine. And I am confident that we don't have to be afraid of anything. And Jesus can shine through that. Okay? So that's part two of our agenda. So part three of the agenda is to describe for you the design of the study. So this is basically the topics for the next eight times. So tonight is the first one, the purpose. So that's what we're doing tonight. And next week we're going to talk about the power of the gospel, specifically with relation to that whole deal with the Jew and Gentile. In the third week we're going to talk about this concept called spheres of influence. It's an effective way to understand that um, there was, is it Kuiper, I think, who first came up with these? It's a way of describing that some things God has done belong to the family, this, the domain of the family. Some things are in the domain of the church, and some things are in the domain of the state, and other things would be in the domain of the individual. And so if life was perfect and ideal, those four spheres, me, my family, my church and my state would never be in conflict. Everything would work out good. Everybody would stay in their lane just fine and there wouldn't be any issues. But when the state starts to do something in the sphere that belongs to the family, then we have conflict. When the uh, church starts to do things that are, belong to the sphere of the state, then things get in trouble, right? So just like it's wrong for the, the state to come and say, you can't preach the gospel, that would be a conflict, right? So we got to decide what to do. The spheres are in conflict. We got to obey God rather than men. But then if it goes around the other way and the church tells the state, everybody who's a citizen has to be baptized into the Baptist church. Well, then now you've done something to the state that is that if you've seen through history corrupts both the church and the state. It doesn't work when there's a state church. It causes all kinds of problems. So somehow by just, so the goal of that third night is to just understand these spheres and to just help us as a tool bag to figure out how to think through things. The fourth night is to talk about complexities. I want to assert that life is more complicated than a single watershed issue. And, and I think we can demonstrate that. And then the fifth night is the dangers, the dangers of uh, political engagement and uh, just an honest assessment of what can go wrong. And then also on the next night, the hope for agreement, how we can have an optimistic view that helps us have uh, a sense of hope for loving our brothers and sisters. And then the... Um, Seventh night is the different areas of emphasis. You can agree on polity, party, candidate, and everything else, but the next issue is, well, which part of the mess do you start cleaning up first? And that's not easy to figure out either. So how do you, just to recognize that there's different areas of emphasis, domestic policy, foreign policy, economic policy, cultural policy, which, which thing you gotta fix first? affects your perspective on politics. And then lastly, the, the eighth week, I hope we can all share together and get a good handle on what does the gospel tell us to do as believers as our priority? What is it that we agree that we, what's the most important thing for you and I to be doing in this day and age? And, um, and so I think that the text tells us a fair amount about that. Are there any questions about these, um, these eight sessions? That's what the next eight sessions are supposed to be. Lord willing, we'll do it in eight weeks. We might have to skip a week or two, but um, for unknown reasons, probably closed for snowfall or something like that. Okay, does that make sense? Is there any comments or questions? Any, is everybody comfortable with me moving forward? Are we good? I don't want to go too fast. 
am I going too fast for you to fill out the blanks on the paper? So that's just to give you something to help you stay awake if you're struggling. So, all right. So then the fourth agenda for tonight, the fourth part of our agenda for tonight is, I have some introductory discussion questions. So these are questions I'm going to ask, and I wish I could poll you. I wish everybody would answer, but I'm not going to make you answer. So that helps me a lot because then at my house, I have a happy evening. Otherwise, if I make Tammy answer, uh, I may not, right? So that's, well, I... I am so wise. All right, so my first question is, how would you rank yourself, your own personal interest in politics? Are you, would you rank yourself as low? Like, no way. I am, I just stay out of that. I am not interested at all. To maybe in the middle being, yeah, I'm so interested in this for these reasons, but I'm not. Or 10, I am super into it. I really I pay attention to everything. I am, this, is, this is why I wake up in the morning, and this is why I don't sleep at night, right? Because of politics. So how would you rank yourself? Is there anyone willing to give me a, I could do a show of hands, who, all the ones, two, three, but, but is anybody willing to rank yourself? I'll, I'll rank myself if nobody else does, but all right, Glenn, you be first. Brain. Four, Glenn's a four, all right. Yes, clarifying question. Is personal interest in politics uh, specifically active involvement in politics or just an interest in knowing about what's going on? I do think that those are two different rankings. So you could give yourself two numbers. You could say I have a, an interest level of seven, but an active level of three. You could say that or something like that. Glenn, when you said four, were you thinking which one of those or both of those? or? I think those are sequential a little bit. Okay. The more interested you are, the more active you are. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So four is pretty good. Sue. I would say that when I was younger, I was low. Okay. And recently, maybe in the last 10 years, I would say medium, like five. Medium. I think that that would reflect the experience of a lot of us. I think our world has kind of done that. I think is a, in the general public, I think that that's true, right? That this whole, the politics, um, what would you, in earthquakes, what are those things called? Seismograph, right? That's the political seismograph was low back in the boring days. But man, the last couple of cycles have really made that thing zing, zing, zing. And so it does feel like a um, intense time right now. And that has, that has sucked us in a deeper level of interest. Is that sort of what you're saying too, you think, Sue? Okay. Dave. I'm probably an eight or even a nine. Um, I'm catching as much news as I possibly can on several different sources. Uh, and I base that on you know, what our government's doing, its decisions, and what relative that is to Israel, what's going on in Jerusalem, and our religious freedoms, and uh, persecuted Christians around the world, and uh, how the gospel is spread, and uh, what other government leaders in other countries are doing. So uh, it's all very important. It is, yeah. Good. I waver between a two and a seven, depending on the day. And every time I get up high to like a seven, I'm like, oh, nope, you're caring a little too much. Stop caring. And then when I get to a two, I'm like, oh, you should probably care a little bit more than this. Yeah, I think what Joel is confessing here or helping me understand is that um, it can feel unhealthy to lose our peace, right? And so just because we have a seven... Um, doesn't mean we have to lose our peace. You know, David is a nine, and, and I don't think you're losing your peace, right? I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're sitting asleep, right? So, so some of it is, is sort of a measure of how frustrated or helpless do I feel, right? And so sometimes the anxiety goes high. I think there's some things that, that influence your interest or involvement, and one of them is whether the issue 
really affects me or not. Whether the Fed raises or lowers the interest rate a half a point, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't care. And, and the other thing that happens is so many years, Tim and I and I lived outside the U.S. We kind of heard stuff on the news that was sometimes quite embarrassing, but it was far away and remote, and so the interest level and active level was fairly low. But I think more importantly, it depends on what the actual issue is. Some of them, you can't worry about all of them, so some of them are just kind of whatever. There might be a few that actually are important. Anyone else? Care to share? Okay. I have become a 10 and a 10. Um, I am interested in everything because I'm looking at this from God's perspective. And I have prayed fervently um, like I've never prayed before for our country, our nation, our people, our state, um, because I feel... I feel closer to God when I'm praying about all of this instead of worrying about whatever. I said, God, okay, I give it to you. So I am praying fervently for us as individuals, our, you know, our state, our country. So I believe that I'm a 10 and a 10. Well, not to be teasing or anything, but that sounds pretty holy. That's pretty good. <laughs> Because in a sense, you're exactly right, right? If God cares about this, we should all be tense, right, in that regard. But I do think that there, it is such an ambiguous question, as all polling questions are, um, because part of it is, are we talking about our anxiety level, our angst, or are we talking about our interests? Are we talking about the, like, I would consider myself fairly high interest just from understanding. I want to know what's going on partly so I can be an effective Bible teacher, partly so I can effectively minister to people. So I care and pay attention, but I also consider myself kind of low on the activist side because I have other perspectives that balance that. But I'm so... Um, which does bring up another thing here is um, by the end of this eight-week study, I hope that we might, I'm afraid that we might, um, I hope that we agree on the conclusion that Jesus matters most, right? But I'm afraid that probably one of the areas that we're going to have to accept one another is exactly here, accepting whether somebody else is as in involved as we are or not, right? That um, we have to, it's not just, even if we agreed exactly on all the policy and candidate decisions, if one of us is still a two and the other one's still an eight, that could still be a bone of contention. Why aren't you out there campaigning or whatever? And so we need to kind of, I, what I'm trying to say is, I'm worried that you may reject my view about politics even if you don't reject my political point of view. You follow what I'm saying? But do you understand the distinction? We may have differences about what politics is or how important it is, even if we don't have differences in what we vote. And so I would want to encourage us to be gracious to one another that way too. Marie. Well, for me, it's gone the opposite way. I was a war baby. And um, so I'm remembering uh, as a child going to um, community uh, concerts and um, we, like we would, the bands <laughs> would do very patriotic numbers. Uh, they do a variety of numbers. But um, so I uh, always had a very strong patriotic feel for the United States um, to the point where I almost chose uh, to be to major in international politics when I was in school. I went into teaching, which was perfect for me, really better. But um, I think I would rate myself an eight 
as far as uh, the importance of politics, just because of my American um, citizenship, I feel like being a voter, I need to be informed um, so that I vote smart and um, not just informed by what's happening in the world, but what the Bible says about um, policies. And since as an American, I have a p ability to influence the policies of my government, I feel very strongly that, but on the other hand, um, I'm less um, American in a way. I'm, uh, how can I say? I'm less gun ho about our nation because um, I know that um, we are we are failing our people. We are failing the world at large, and I know that Christ's kingdom will not fail and will prevail. Thank you so much. That, that does bring up another point too, doesn't it? That part of the challenge is, she mentioned both patriotism and also where does our citizenship really lie, our loyalty. And, and um, you're not in any way, nobody would interpret you as saying you're anti-American at all, but what you've, you, you said is that you feel less, you feel more like an exile. You're, you're, our, our nation is leaving behind, at least in our minds. It, it, we had the idea years and years ago, my parents grew up in an America where we had the idea that our reputation were, was that we were God's, um, we were the most godly nation on the earth, right? We, we believed that God used us and our military might to stop the evils of Hitler and Japan during World War II. And that was a very kind of clear who were the good guys, who were the bad guys kind of moment, at least in our history, our understanding of it. And so um, many of us baby boomers were raised in that environment that those soldiers and those airplanes are ours, and we're proud, and we're proud to be an American, and, and you know, I hear that. But it is also true that our nation has been decaying, and, and, um, and so its purity is falling into question for sure, if you could even call it purity anymore. And so that, that is a reality, right? That, and it's good for us to remember that um, our true citizenship is in heaven and not here. And that if we ask America to be our kingdom of heaven, we are asking it to do something it's not intended to do. And would be, it would displease God to have it be in that place of vital to our lives. So that's, that's very good. Um, another question that might be related. I can't remember anymore. Why do some have a low level of interest? What, just um, short answers, I'll repeat. What, what are some reasons, David? Why might a person have a low level of interest? Okay, so they feel powerless, right? They don't have any influence in the end, even as a voter. Okay, what's another, Joel? I can't change anything. I can't make a difference. Why care? Yeah. What what might be other reasons for low level of interest? It's, well, it's, it's less, it's not one belief matters. It's, well, I only have so much interest to give to everything in my life. Right. I can't affect change this. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got lazy and didn't run back there to get your voice, but. Um, so somebody said, well, one vote does matter. There's many cases in history where one vote has made a difference. But it's still, many people don't believe that, right? In general, a lot of people would feel it doesn't matter. And it's certainly in certain neighborhoods or certain districts, 
if your district is going to vote 80 to 20 on something, your vote actually doesn't matter, really, in that sense. All right, but what the other thing that Joel was saying is that it's bandwidth problem, right? I just don't have, I have to raise children. I have other battles to fight. I have a job that's pressurous. I don't have time. I don't have bandwidth to sort it all out. So that could be one of the reasons that's a low level of interest. It's just in my current state in life, I don't have the priority. Uh, somebody raise a hand. And it might have to do with stress. Because, I mean, you can watch any of the news networks, and quite often, even if they are giving you a glimmer of fact, it is presented in such a controversial format with arguing and banter and everything else. Why should I put myself through that stress when I can just stream a nice comforting TV show, you know. <laughs> yeah, I said a rom-com, right? Who, it's a lot more fun to watch who you got mail than it is to watch some debate. Um, I think that's a very good, good point is that it is, and this, I, can we agree that because of the monetization of the way that news is paid for, that they are incentivized, all sources are incentivized financially to get people to click on their headline, right? It's, it's so the, the problem is, is that it's a rage producing machine right now because the way to get money is to make people mad, to move them from one to 10 and fear and anger is a powerful motivator. And so, in part, many news sources, because they're no longer a newspaper you buy, it's click-based money, they are incentivized to make you mad, to follow, what? That's true too? I gotta retweet this to all my friends. And, and so there's a rage engine on both sides trying to make us matter and matter and matter. And so getting, it, it's not a foolish person who would say, I'm not going to get into that. I'll ruin my soul, <laughs> right? Joe, you raise your hand. Can you give me a shirt? Or... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the reasons a person might have a low level of involvement or interest is the social cost of who you're going to lose as a friend. I mean, there are families that have been split over these things and won't talk because somebody thinks this and somebody thinks that. And so it's just, do I really want to be, um, do I want to lose my friendships? It's not important enough to me to lose that, so I diminish my political engagement. Yeah, those are good reasons why a person might have a low level of interest. Um, doesn't mean everybody who does have a low level of interest that those are the reasons. We're just speculating what some of the reasons might be, and that's the same question for this. Why do some people have a high level of interest? What are, what are, the re what are some reasons, even if it's not the reason that others do, what are some possible reasons? Joel. Some people, uh, some, people, some, some people love the game. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, the Twitter users on Twitter, for example, as one social media platform, are largely in the belt line, right? There, there's a, there's a there are a small portion of our population that are highly politically involved. And so, if you are a Twitter follower, you're being influenced by people who are way in the eights and nines and tens on topics. And so some people just enjoy the battle, enjoy the interest, it's intrigue, it's, it's super interesting. It's like history. And, it's a soap opera. Yeah, that's fun too. What are some other reasons a person might have a really high level of engagement or interest? Or what are other, Joel? So some people are persuaded that certain issues are worth the effort and, and or they affect them directly. 
And that's why they're worth the effort. But, but even some people just on principle, this is just too important to not have me pay attention. Yeah, very noble. Yeah, so that Joe adds the nuance that even if it may or may not directly affect them, they're persuaded that it does or they feel like it does, right? And so you know, whether or not they cut down a tree in some place in an equatorial region way far away, some people are, think that impacts them. Some people think it doesn't. Victimized, being victimized is a big motivator, yeah. If you've been burnt by something in the political realm um, offers or promises a solution to that or you're trying to fix that problem, right? That, that's for sure. A lot of people are engaged for uh, rectification issues. Glenn? Yeah. 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 So they believe that they can make a change, and so and it does. And I'm grateful that there are believers who are trying to influence these things for sure. I, I you know, Daniel was a politician, or he served in a governing way, right? Joseph was a. So I mean, there have been great leaders in the Bible. All right. Well, these are these are good things, and I think it's helpful for us to just think it through. What people who are different on the scale. So what do you think that high people think about low people? What are, I mean, what, what is the temptation that a highly involved person could accuse a lowly involved person of? What, and I'm not going to say it's always going to be true. I'm just going to say what might the false accusations be? What, what if, you, if you were super high on the scale... Don't you care about our country? Yeah. Don't you care? So the accusation of what's wrong with you, your value system is all messed up. You don't care about the things I... You don't care about the right things. You're loving the wrong things. It's a pretty strong... Joe, you had a, a thought? Uh, similar, but I mean, we have this term of calling people sheep. Okay. Yeah, so a similar term is accusing them of being sheep. You're, you're not a brave person. You're just going to do whatever the crowd says. You just follow along. Bah, bah. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what, would I, what is it possible might be a false accusation that a low might think about a highly involved person? What would be the temptation for them? Becky. Don't you trust God? Don't you trust God? <laughs> so here you got a well-meaning person on the one side, don't you care about our country? And the other one says, don't you trust God? And both are highly presumptive, prejudicial categorizations of the other person, right? The one who says, well, don't you care, is assuming a lot of things about you. And the person who says, don't you trust God, is assuming a lot of things about your theology. Joe, you had your hand up? Yeah, well, how are you neglecting your other priorities so much to do that? Yeah, I suppose that could be true. So the point is, is that even, we haven't even talked about a real issue yet, right? And we've got all kinds of ways to be different. That's the whole point, right? In a lot of ways, that's the point. Donna, did you have a comment? Let me get you the microphone. I think some, back to the highs, thinking about the lows, sometimes you think if we do nothing and we say nothing, decisions will be made that we won't like. If nobody says anything, it's just going to go through and we won't be able, then you can't complain about the decision that the government made because you didn't do anything. But if you say your piece, if you express yourself, you think, what have I got to lose? If they don't decide what I wanted them to decide, at least I'll know I tried. And sometimes it's frustrating for that group 
to look at other people in the same category that we're all in. We're all going to be sunk if this happens. And other people just think, well, whatever. Or they just think it won't happen. The, the highest think, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we have a chance of influencing this. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And that some of the words you use reminded me of another gradient here, right? Some of us are optimistic and some of us are pessimistic in that we're optimistic about the future of our country. Others are pessimistic about the future of our country. But then you add in some of us are optimistic about what we can do about it and others are pessimistic about what we can do. So we've already got a two by two mix, right? And so if you're pessimistic about the country and pessimistic about us being able to do anything about it, that's a certain perspective that's going to be a lot different than somebody who's pessimistic about our country, but optimistic that we can reverse it. Oh, but what if you're optimistic about the way things are going to go? So there's lots of room for differences. And, and I, part of, you know, one of the, if we had more time, I'd ask, how do lows think that the highs think about them? Right? That's an interesting thought. Or how do the highs think, the highly involved, think that the lowly involved view them? They think I'm out of balance. They think I like fights. Or they think I'm a fraidy cat. Or they think I'm just a, an ostrich, put my head in the sand. Right? So those are all possible things that we could do. So let's, uh, let's do our last thing here then. I've got a few minutes. So prayers for God's blessing. This is, this is what I'd like to, I'd like to ask three volunteers to, to pray these three things. First of all, that we would discern the will of God for our lives, right? We submit our bodies unto God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, you know, being transformed in our mind, renewed, so that we be able to discern what the will of God is, his good and perfect will. So I want us to pray for God's will for our lives individually. Please don't interpret that as which candidate to vote for. Not yet. Uh, right now, I'm just saying, ask that God would give us his will for our lives. And then the second prayer is that we would learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I'm really proud of you all for listening well to each other tonight already. And then, um, and then thirdly, that we would love one another in the Lord Jesus. So do I have a volunteer for prayer number A? Who would like to lead us in prayer on that topic? Anyone? Joel? Okay. And who would like to do prayer B is uh, DJ. And then who would close in prayer with number C for us? A lady, maybe? Okay, Marie. All right, so Joel, DJ, and Marie. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are great and you are wonderful and you see all, know all. There is nothing um, in this world that surprises you. There's nothing that happens um, behind the scenes um, that you don't know about. You know, you know everything, Lord, and in particular in regards to politics and politicians and any of that, Lord, um, everything is under your sovereign rule. You hold dominion over everything in this world. And when we consider ourselves, Lord, and our part to play uh, beyond politics, just our part to play in this world, we ask that you would help us to discern your will for us. You're sovereign. You hold dominion. And, and we trust that you see every individual here. You, you know the steps we're going to take, the words we're going to say, um, Lord, you have laid out good works for us to do um, to further the cause of your kingdom. And Lord, I ask that you would grant us a wisdom and a foresight and an understanding that we would discern your will in our lives, discern the good works that you would have us to do. Help us to, to live out the gospel and live out your holy word as you tell us to live for your glory, for your majesty and your honor. Amen. Father, thank you for 
this time that we can study these things. Thank you for Pastor John. I pray that you bless him as he lead this study and bless our church. May this be beneficial to our church. And Father, I pray that as we go through this study, you help us to love each other, grant us um, wisdom, grant us patience, grant us uh, um, love. And I pray that you help us, Lord, to listen to each other, to understand and not be presumptuous. Help us to be uh, slow to speak. And I pray that you uh, be with all of us. We thank you. We praise you. Amen. Kind, loving Father in heaven, we thank you that you describe yourself as love. And um, we know that you have characteristics that fit well into that main characteristic. So, Lord, um, we thank you for the fact that you know each of our backgrounds, what we have been taught, what we have experienced in our lives. And, um, Lord, your desire is for your church to um, love one another with pure hearts fervently. Um, so we want to have your wisdom in our hearts and in our minds. We ask that you would do that through these uh, lessons that we have ahead of us and that the unsaved that see us as your people, they would say, behold how they love one another. So help that love to be shown in deeds as well as words. We need your help in this, Father, and we thank you that you are more than happy to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.